Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. The streets of Miami's ritziest neighborhoods flood, but Liberty City is bone dry. When I was a child, my grandfather always would say, they're going to come take Liberty City because we don't flood. The neighborhood sits just 12 feet above sea level, but that slightly higher ground is gold these days in South Florida, with rising seas caused by climate change. That makes Liberty City irresistible to developers and also to filmmakers who wanted to document what happens when gentrification comes for one of Miami's historically black neighborhoods. The result is the new film, Raising Liberty Square. The movie traces the redevelopment of Liberty Square, which was once one of the oldest segregated public housing projects in the country. Real estate developers promised to build new mixed income housing that wouldn't displace any of the residents. The film shows just how those promises fall apart. The film runs at Coral Gable Cinema from January 26th through February 1st. It'll air nationally on PBS January 29th. Katya Essen is the Academy Award-nominated director. She spent years filming what happened when the city turned over public housing to a private company for redevelopment. It's a time-lapse of a broken promise, and it's a cautionary tale. Katya, welcome to the show. It's great to get to talk with you. Thank you, Carlos. Very happy to be here. Well, you know... Uh, we were just kind of mentioning this between us, but we all, uh, our staff here at Sundial, we, we all got a chance to, to screen the film uh, over the weekend. And I think we were all moved. We were all moved in different ways in different parts. And, in, and I know I can speak for myself, kind of unexpected. Um, there are these moments where there's, like we said, it's this promise of, of redeveloping this, this project neighborhood, this project that was built in the 30s. And, you know, it's this sale that they're going to make it into something beautiful and new and there's that emotion of turning it over to the keys for the first time, and you're moved by that, but then the movie keeps going. And I think that that's like, in that part is the whole of the controversy, is like the fullness of, of what happens with, uh, with a project that comes with so much promise, and then you get to the point where you're, you know, these are the results. I guess, talk to me about what were some of your favorite moments looking back as you put together and favorite sometimes are not right are not great but moments that really moved you as you were editing the film yeah you you now made it uh you said it correctly favorite is it is a is a uh difficult word because Mm -hmm. there were many really intense and tough moments and then of course as a filmmaker also moments that i realized wow they have to be in the film because that will that will get to people and that will have an emotional impact, you know. Um, and I don't want to give the ending away, but of course, you know, the the arc of Aaron, who is from the community and works for the developer, that was a, an important moment, his decision at the end. Um, also, just really being very close to the resident um, of Liberty Square, Sam Kenley and her and her kids, just really being at their side while they were kind of like a like a like a boat in the storm kind of pushed that way this way you know should I stay should I go you know trying to go not finding anything um, 
it just like really these 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 heart wrenching decision. You know, her oldest son Joshua, who then when his mom decided that she would want to leave, he didn't want to leave, and well, that, you know, so yeah, no, there's. I mean, I think that what you, what the movie does is you you paint the players right, and you and you take us. It's not like a policy movie. It's very much an emotional. What happens when your neighborhood changes, like in a way that it must change. But also, who are the cha- the question is like who are these changes for? Who is this supposed to benefit? The people who already live here. So you take us inside the world of people who live in the square. You take us meeting some of the people with the development company, the related group who was redeveloping that, and even some characters within the related. There's one guy who helps sell the project to the community, and he also lives in a similar project that things went awry and he's saying like i'm your representative i promise you things will not go awry because i i'm invested in it too that's aaron who you're mentioning in the film and i think talk to me about what it was like trying to get those people to trust you to tell their story yeah that was i mean it, it took us it took us six years to make the film Wow. Um, you lived with that for six years. Yeah. And I live very close to Liberty uh, Square and Liberty City. Mm. So I've, I've spent, I'm still spending a lot of time there. And um, I, I, um, I, I, I approached the project with a very different interest at first. I, I, it was like a historical interest, you know, that when I found out it was supposed to be raised to the ground, and you mentioned before, it's one of the most historical, one of the first segregated public housing projects in this country built during the New Deal in the 30s as a European German born, I was like, how can they tear that down? You know, it's like his history. So I, I, I came in with this historical interest. And then when I started to talk to people and um, to the residents, they really educated me about something that I had no idea about. I did not know that Liberty City sits on a ridge. I did not know what climate gentrification was. So then I realized, oh, wait a second, that's a very different film. And you asked me gaining the trust. That's always the it's always the big question when you're an outsider coming into a, a community that's not your own. You mm-hmm. know how yeah. how do you how do you avoid extractive uh, you know filmmaking? How do you make make a collaboration with the people in your film? And everybody, every, each filmmaker has their own their own way. I always look at it. You know, I'm getting such a gift such a present from everybody by you know giving me their their stories sharing their time their lives with me that I'm always thinking what can I give and I I asked them what can I do and it was some some uh, things were easy here because uh, we have a school in the film I I do I know how to make films so I made films for the school you know I went on trips and I made whatever films they needed you know the Hampton House we made films about the Hampton House that they used I made right, the films historic the, Hampton House which yeah. was a, a place where a lot of uh, a lot of performers who were black performers uh, is where they stayed because d- during segregation they couldn't stay in places like Miami Beach where they were performing and you mentioned the school so there's a school in Liberty Square so Liberty Square is kind of like the almost like the birthplace of Liberty City it's almost like the or let's say the heart of Liberty City um, and the school is on that property and it's, yeah. and it's supposed to be part of the redevelopment and yes. you you start very early on by finding out that that the school is going to be displaced so immediately you start thinking the, the people in these communities 
you know, what's what's essential to someone as a school, especially in South Florida, with the first thing you ask somebody is like, hey, where'd you go to high school? You know, and that helps stratify where you are in the world. Um, so so you you basically you kept showing up is what it sounds like. You kept yeah. going to different events. Yeah, I kept showing up. I mean, that's that's the right expression to to I, I just kept showing up showing up. I did films for churches. But it also then later became, and it was funny in your interview, you said, you know, uh, filmmakers were drawn. Um, I was looking around often and I didn't I, I mean, we were the only team crew in the room often mm. at these, or always at these meetings that were going on. So I realized we're the only one really telling the story. Um, and you take us inside these meetings. These meetings become these public forums where people who live in Liberty Square, who live in that housing project, um, are get are getting to have a back and forth communication with the the developers, the folks who've been hired to to redevelop it. Hired. You know, the, the county owns it, it's public owned housing, and they basically turned over the redevelopment to these to this private company who will then run it, who will then decide, exactly. you know, whether they raise rents, whether they who's allowed back in, you know, because you got to move out. Who's before, managing. Who's exactly. managing. And you're in those meetings and those meetings get very tense. Yes. And that's that's what I, you know, during during these years, I would get calls at any day of day or nighttime. People call me, hey, get ready. It's going to go down. And then I, I would go, okay, when? Well, we can't tell you. Okay, what's happening? Now we can't tell you. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm just gonna, just let me know. So we, yeah, we were called on all the time to document this. This is happening. Come here quickly. This is, so we, we just kept being there and documenting. And it was both in small rooms, like, uh, you know, little co conference rooms to these big public forums. And some of those commentaries were from locals who, who really uh, spoke very passionately. And here's, we have a little, we have a clip from one of those discussions from the film. I'm a resident here in Liberty Square. I'm very concerned. I really doesn't care about a shopping area. We want a history to continue. We don't want our history to stop because y'all tear down Liberty Square. I want to live right here in my community where I was raised in. I want to raise my kids in my community so they can be a part of my history. And that's, that's so much of a theme is that you're not, um, you're not building on a empty piece of land where nobody has ever lived. You're uh, you're attempting to do something um, that's going to affect uh, hundreds of people, you know, dozens, uh, maybe hundreds of families. Um, talk to me about those kinds of scenes, making like what, like how that affected you as you're out with your camera, standing on the other side of your camera, seeing that kind of passion. Yeah, these meetings were uh, were inc incredibly uh, intense for us, and also. Of course, you know, we were in the room covering all this. And on the other side is the is the county and also the developer hmm. see watching us film. Hmm. And I kept feeling their eyes on me sometimes thinking like, hmm, <laughs> should, you know, should we like maybe kick them out? But they didn't, you know, so we were we were there and we captured it all. And uh, yeah, to to especially this the clip that you just that you just played, you know, just to say we we really want to we want to preserve our history. Mm. That was extremely touching to me, you know, and the danger of losing that, the danger of erasure of this of this entire community, um, was was terrifying. Did you? Uh, we start to see both sides there. The city and the developer saying, "Look, we promise you, this is what's going to happen." And then you have some folks who are older, who are like you can tell they're you know they're the elders there who are saying, 
we've seen this before. The the whole reason this place exists um, is because it was the the same affordable housing agreement that led to Liberty Square. Like there's this quote where someone says, "There was a hidden motive then. There's a hidden motive now," and it's very ominous. And that's early in the film. It's very ominous. Talk to me about that. About this this idea of um, I don't know, trying to empathize with both of the those groups in there. Well, I, you know, it's like I also I started uh, uh, this project like the audience is starting the project mm. with a lot of hope. It was supposed to be very different than 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 regular mixed income where everybody is kind of moved out. You tear it down and then you build it up and then people get lost and whatever. You know, not everybody moves back here. It was the promise that people could stay, that they would that the community would not break apart, that people would just be moved in empty in empty units that were, were available. And then, you know, there would be a block by block demolition and construction so nobody would have to leave and that also that made sense to me that was like wow this could be the answer of not breaking up communities so I had that I had that hope too at the beginning very much you know so I was I was also I, I was going on this journey uh, to see where the story is going our guest today is Katja Essen she's the director and producer of the film Raising Liberty Square her film opens in uh, Coral Gable Cinema on Friday, and it'll play through February 1st, uh, and then it'll have its uh, national broadcast premiere on PBS on January 29th. Katya, you you obviously um, spent a lot of time in that community. Um, talk to me about your connections to Miami, because you said you're not you're not a local, and you talked about having to continue to show up. But but what what brought you here? What what make you know what kind of uh, drew your interest, and what kind of makes you an expert at this point uh, to be able to be here? <laughs> Yeah, I am. I was born and raised in Germany, and I came to Miami in '87 to study film and theater at the University of Miami. Oh, okay. I wanted to study both, and that was possible here. And I had a friend, one of the producers, Govina Sager, went here, and she said she sold it to me and also my parents, which was important. A great university, you should go here, and uh, that's how I came to Miami in '87. But always thinking that I would come back to Germany, which then I never did. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> so you came and. And you and you liked it here enough to, I liked to stay. It. Yeah. What was it about uh, um, the community that that struck you that was that was so interesting? To well, you? I, I'm on my second Cuban husband, so, <laughs> so probably that has something to do with it. I could never imagine to live in Germany again. Uh, actually, I I moved to New York um, for a couple of years, but I always always missed Miami. I always came back here on vacation and I always knew I wanted to come back here. I just really fell in love with Miami. And yes, you know, with the, with the, of course, the sun, but also, you know, the, the mix, the diversity, everything. Every, I love Miami. What, what was your neighborhood like growing up? Like what, what was your city and what was your neighborhood? I, like? I come from a very cold city. It's mm. called Hamburg. It's at the sea. It's literally, it's very cold temperature wise, but the people are also very cold. It's oh, a very pretty city, but it's very cold so when I come back now and I make my weird jokes they look at me like I'm an alien oh you're a Miami girl now <laughs> yes. they don't they don't get you over there no they don't get me at all so but specifically about then Liberty City because Liberty City is uh, obviously has been um, as, certainly since the project you know was kind of carved out as the black area of town and folks were kind of redlined in there and kept in there even after sec- after post-segregation 
Talk to me about how you became, how you started to get interested in Liberty City. Like, what was your exposure to it? Well, my first exposure to it, well, and my big claim to fame and my street, street cred in Liberty City is that when I went to UM and I was just there for a couple of weeks, my English was really bad. Yeah, the, a producer showed up at the film class and said, hey, who wants to work on a music video? And I was like, me, me, me. And then they told me where to be, and that was Liberty City. I didn't even know where that. Well, I had no idea. Wait, so you were you were you were working on or starring in a in a music no, not video? starring. Not, no, no, not no, no. no. I, I, I was the only female behind the camera mm. on various two live crew music videos that I probably cannot two say. Two live that, crew. That's mm-hmm. it. That's that's it. You got your street cred. I totally got it. And <laughs> it's like sometimes I can mention the title. Sometimes I can. <laughs> I always just love the story because I'm still very very good friends with the DP uh, who did those videos the director of photography yeah, yeah the director of Jose Osejo who did our aerials for this documentary and I would walk up to him you know they would sing uh, Two Life Crew would sing and rap and whatever and I'm like what are they singing <laughs> and Jose would just say I don't know I don't know he would not want to repeat the lyrics oh my god that, was that so is raunchy. so funny yeah that's so funny. So, so really, you got you got thrown into the Mi- the deep end of the Miami pool, totally right away. without knowing. I mean, yeah. I had no idea at that time. But that was my first that was my first uh, connection to Liberty City. But little did I know that twenty years later, you know, I would make this film. You said that you you still live near nearish Liberty City. Yes, um, that's a choice, right? Like to to live in an area that's that's uh, that's mixed with different backgrounds and not like places where you run from. From people of color, you know what I mean? Yes. I'm curious what that's been like for you. And it's like I always try to avoid that because technically I live on Miami Beach, mm-hmm. but I really don't because I live on the in the poor part of Normandy Isle, which is like the last mixed and diverse, I feel an un, not not developed area of the beach. Right. And uh, I'm in Liberty City in 10, 15 minutes, you know, so I'm like right between the beach and Liberty City, so to speak. I, I'm curious as someone who had had an early exposure to it, you know, working on rap videos, which is hilarious, <laughs> to then making a film, how your how your perception of Liberty City may, uh, changed or was reinforced or like how your thoughts about it um, I, evolved? I, fe- I felt it had, you know, it's like when I came back to Miami in 2016 mm-hmm. and, and in between I had been, but then that's when I really looked and I was like, oh my God, the city has exploded. Exploded. Mm. Like every single neighborhood has changed and it developed and like high ra- risers here and whatever. Only Liberty City seemed like frozen in time mm. to me, you know, when I came back. It's it's you see the buildings have have not hardly changed you and know? and for better or for worse right like the, your your movie does something really interesting which it it gets into explaining like um why an area gets left behind right like you guys really get into you have even this great historical footage of white flight like when people in liberty city you know uh integration happens um segregation is is struck down and people start trying to move out of liberty city black families that live there wanted to live you know even a street over and they have protests and there's white flight and your film does this really interesting thing where it starts it connects the dots like all right white people left and then you have this area where the city stops investing in the area. And then that leads to fewer businesses investing. And that leads to a concentration of poverty and disenfranchisement. Talk to me about how much of that you had to learn yourself before you could film it. 
everything and that was one of the reasons why I you know six years is a long time to work <laughs> on yeah. a film and you need that as a documentary you need that fire and that desire to do do it and that was definitely the initial push for me you know later became about the people but I was so embarrassed that I had lived here for so many years in Miami and I did not know anything about the black history of of Miami and that uh I had to learn everything. I had to learn everything. Um, and I also, it was very clear that we can, you know, it's like it's so easy to say, oh yeah, Liberty City is a dangerous, violent neighborhood. You know, that's what people kept repeating. But if you don't understand why, why, you know, that that is that would be, you know, like a huge mistake not to explain how it got to this point. And you do you know? it very succinctly and not in a pedantic way at all. Like it's very much like this historical video and it's and it kind of propels you through and then you find out kind of where you are now because if you're thinking, you know, uh, you're thinking early 60s to 1980s, that's not really, to 1980 when is when you have the, the protest that um, after um, um, the, the McDuffie uh, riots, uh, riots. Right, right. Leading to that moment, you you connect those dots, and then you get us to where we are now. And you you say connect the dots, and we we just had our hometown premiere last, you know, with the community in Liberty City with the community, and um, that was the most important screening. Although we have had screenings really literally all over the country and in many places all over the world, but that's what elders and other people said. You know, uh, the film connects the dots. I'm very curious about about the response to it because I'm sure you showed up. I mean, here you are, you're fair skinned, you got your red hair, you know, you got your light eyes and you're like, I'm going to tell the story of this community. How did did you did you feel like people once you got to the end felt like you like you were able to translate that story in a way that people uh, felt like they they were represented? Yes, I mean it's it's so hard. I wish always that I love when when other people say that, but I, I have heard it now from many people from 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 the from even from the stage. Right. You know when we when we had Q and A's after like thanking thanking me and the team to to tell that story and to yes to connect the dots and to uncover the lie as Valencia Gander the climate act uh, organizer in the film says you know it's like all these how, when, when I love to hear when people from the community describe the film or what it does for them because I'm like wow yeah take, take me to one of those moments was there especially after the first screening was there a, a moment where you were kind of holding your breath and someone gives you some kind of feedback that really crystallizes it for oh you. my god it's like our for our premiere at, at hot dogs in toronto which is like a huge uh very important uh, documentary festival that was in march and we were there with uh four of our protagonists and they were that, that was the first time you know the f first audience for first time for them to be on stage and they all spoke to it and i had to like fight tear my tears and also to hear from them how it how it how grateful they were that mm. this film exists and how um, it affected them and even affected maybe, again, I don't want to give away what happens, but affected decisions because my c coming back and asking questions, asking questions sometimes also uh, did something, for example, for Aaron, you know, that he said, you left, but then I was thinking, you, the team left and I was thinking, you know, what am I doing? So interesting. It, it, so they were they were testing. You got this feeling of being tested. Like, are you? Did you get the footage that you needed? Or are you going to be here until we figure out how this thing ends up? Are you going to be here through the end? No, it was more. It was more like the the film. Uh, the 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 film affected 
their decision. I mean, his mm. decision in, in, in this case, you know. Right. But it was also really interesting to hear from, from you know, from people how, like, <laughs> they were making fun of how they at first didn't know, you know, who the hell am I? Who is this person mm. with a weird German accent <laughs> asking these questions? And now, you know, seeing how how important this film hopefully will be for everybody to use, you right, know, to right. move the needle maybe. Were there, uh, talk to me about some of the people that are in the film that you felt very, that you felt close to. I mean, because you can't work on something for that long without uh, feeling very close to some, being invested in people's outcomes. Yeah, right? it, I mean, this, this is one of the, uh, uh, honestly a little bit uh, difficult for me because I interviewed so many people, so many amazing, fascinating, interesting people. And in the end, we have four protagonists and maybe a fifth one. And then we have a chorus of elders, mm -hmm. right? But we have four protagonists. And it was really difficult not to include all these other voices. But th this is the problem of filmmaking. Then you have to, it's like casting, nearly like a narrative film. You have to say, okay, who can tell this part of the story? Who can tell this part of the story? And mm -hmm. it was hard for me to also explain people sorry you know you're not you don't you're not in the film but in the end most of most of the people said you know it's, it's representative of all of us it's right. it's our community but yeah i got i got very close it's like i feel i have family now you know it's like dr pinkney is like my grandmother you know he she's the one that saved the historical hampton house right she's a very important historian uh, her husband is one of the tree of knowledge gentlemen that sit under the tree at the street corner the chorus of men right you know, there's remember? this, this yeah. great scene where you're you go back to them and you interview this kind of uh, group of elders of, of older folks who've lived in the community right around this tree area right. and they're like they're like the uh, the the conscience of the neighborhood the the historical the what would you call it the the historical knowledge of the neighborhood exactly right? but the teacher samantha samantha quarterman and i we got very close also you know sam kenley and her kids we i you know it's like i'm i'm the godmother to her children you know we took jo wow. we, we took joshua to new york to the human rights watch festival you know he's now very close with my husband you know what i mean it's like it, it we became we became very very close this movie changed your life yeah absolutely I'm so curious about you know you you taught obviously you you're from Germany and you're you you're when you come to Miami you get this um you get this brush of what what Americanism is right and and the racism that is built into like that the fact that this community is the only reason it exists where it exists and how it exists is because of racism right like very near mm. very near in time yeah and I'm curious did you have anything to relate that to from what your growing up was? Not, I, you know, I think, and it has happened in other projects. I think sometimes, and I, uh, with this film, I, I had to become very intentional in what I'm doing as a filmmaker in mm. terms of, collaboration and in terms of the power dynamics um, and in terms of the question who c should tell whose story mm -hmm. right but if you look at my other projects I have always done it I just have done it uh, instinctively and it has helped me often that I am from Germany you know that I don't oh, come really? with the I'm not American and you I don't come, have the baggage exactly I come without baggage and I also get away sometimes with questions that 
you know, might be, be more naive. I also, I had no fear going <laughs> into Liberty, Liberty City. Because nobody and, had beat that into you that this was, yeah, that everything, what was supposed to be dangerous. Exactly. And we were kind of asked to have a p- police escort at first, you know, and I was like, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah, that, <laughs> we that, that's so interesting that, that that was a suggestion. And, and can you imagine how that would have changed people's willingness to open up? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, so... Well, uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, Tom Wolfe, the author Tom Wolfe. He would write, you know, he felt like he could never as an, he could never fit in to be an insider to wherever he was writing about so he would always wear his white suit so he would stand out as an outsider and that he felt like that was a benefit to him so so your red hair is your white suit i guess exactly <laughs> and we were like we were everybody knew us you know we I, there were drug deals yes ha- happening on what is it 18th avenue you know and i we were happening to point the camera there and i'm like oops sorry guys don't worry we <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't worry. They're like, eh. you know, wow. it's like, so, um, yeah. You talk, uh, you, we were talking about this part about how it really, how it really affected and changed your life. I think the next thing that, I mean, just as we were chatting in the beginning, this is obviously the movie screening at the Coral Gable Cinema and it's going to be on nationally PBS. So people are going to get a chance to see it uh, when it airs on the 29th. But you had other screenings set up that are not, that that those theaters backed away because of the the city and and political cloud. I know you're you're kind of cringing over there because it's it's because it does go towards like the power of those groups, like like a huge developer, the related group, a, a, a government, a, one of the largest governments, right? The uh, Miami Dade County, who's got a, you know billions of dollars worth of a of a budget, and some some of those places pulled back. That's uh, what was that like? No, but it started from the beginning that mm. uh, when I asked, uh, I asked uh, s- some artists that were involved in the development, you know, just creating art. Uh, I wanted to interview them and they made it very clear if, if, there's, if there's any criticism, we're out. Oh, interesting. Because, because they we were don't funded, want exactly because we, they were funded in different ways, mm-hmm. either by uh, a private develop the private development firm in the movie, or by a city government too, which, which gives the, out through the, different companies gives out grants. It, and yeah, it was the developer in this case, but oh, yeah, interesting. yeah, yeah. And so what? It, so, but what did it mean to you then? I mean, does that does that hurt the reach that you hope for the movie, or is it the fact that it's that it's going to be na- uh, aired nationally? Does that make up for it? I mean, that was our that was a big decision that we as a as a filmmaking team had to make. You know, there were other uh, streamers interested, like Hulu was interested. You know, at, at a you know it, mm-hmm. it got a pretty good buzz during the years because we're the first film that is combining uh, or showing the intersection of climate and housing crisis. Mm. You know, and with this new thing, climate gentrification, and but which is d- which is basically just to break it down, it's wealthy people moving into poorer areas and the climate being like this is high ground that is less prone from the flood than is low-lying ground like like beautiful south beach or whatever which you know when it rains is is under three feet of water correct correct that's the case in miami miami is very unique in that way you know climate gentrification in new orleans is different or in hawaii now with the wildfires it happens after the disaster here it's happening before oh interesting um but now i lost my point What, what what was i saying sorry um uh, no, we were just. I mean. Just oh right, and then and then we decided to, then we decided to. Yes, we want to be on PBS, because that will allow 
the people that we think and hope should and can and will see the film can see it. You know, this this can be now seen all over the country for free and by it, everybody. And and it's it goes to those are the kind of people who could show up at a public meeting, right? Because exactly. that those public meetings that you capture in the film, it is people from the community that are that are um, able to have their voices heard, even if even if ultimately um, some of that pushback seemed to get kind of steamrolled. Did that did that surprise you that that there wasn't a little bit that there wasn't more receptiveness to the public? to the public commentary of it? You mean like why that... that yeah, the, the folks that came out and, and really had like, you know, like this woman who we, who we mm -hmm. heard from the clip from your movie, that that didn't sway things ultimately. It didn't change things ultimately for how they wanted the project to unfold. That must have been frustrating to see. Uh, yes. And of course, again, I'm not, I w I'm not uh, uh, an organizer or an activist, but I just know from the groups that are now, that are now wanting to use the film and are working with us, you know, us handing the film over to them, that... Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I, or let's put it that way. We, we had a screening for some of these, some of these groups that were also at the table, you know, negotiating with the developer and the county about how it should be. And that screening was very, very painful. People were crying mm. and just very, because it brought, it's six, six years later now, but it brought back the fight to them also. It reminded them of how the hopes the fight, the broken promises, you know, it brought it all back. So that was, uh, I can just see it through them, you know, like feel it through them, how frustrating fr frustrating that uh, must be for the ones who work, you know, who do this right. fight. Our guest today is Katja Essen. She's the director and producer of the film Raising Liberty Square. The film opens uh, at Coral Gable Cinema Friday, January 26th, and will play through February 1st. It'll also have its national broadcast premiere on PBS January 29th. You know, there's so much, this, this film covers so much territory and it goes through 2023. I mean, it really, you guys get it, uh, you know, very, to the very near past here. But even, I imagine like even in that time, uh, now that we're in 2024, there has been fallout from it. And there's a little bit of epilogue in your, in your film about, you know, where people's lives have, have ended up. Ours, uh, talk to me about some of the some of the things that you that you've seen happen that maybe break your heart and kind of what what are you hoping that you're you know that hopefully will take a turn you know that will be positive. I mean, we we're hoping very much uh, that this this uh, film can affect the story it's actually telling because mm. the Liberty Square development is still at the very beginning. It, yeah, we should say it's still ongoing. It's, I want to say it's like nine buildings nine or nine city, blocks. Nine city blocks. Nine city and blocks. And three are only done. They're just working on the fourth. So the hope, of course, of these organizations that are now using the film is that to, to get some accountability to the developer and like uh, see some of the things that you then see in the film uh, being fixed and right. corrected. I mean, one of the most, one of the interesting things that happens is obviously is is you know I kept coming back to the question: What, who does this serve? The re, the the redevelopment. Who does this serve? And I think about you know the the promise that um, that uh, the former mayor Carlos Jimenez uh, says at one point. Um, he said that not a single person was displaced, 
And the truth is, you find out later in the film that, I mean, this is not giving too much away in the sense, but put in a context, that only five families returned. Only five family and hundreds of people left. And it's not necessarily people being moved. It's people uh, who don't get approved to come back because um, there's, you know, it becomes this whole issue. You get into Section 8. You explain Section 8 housing and how uh, some people are given a coupon, you know, so that they can, you know, move to other places. Uh, and then you're technically supposed to be allowed to come back. But somebody has to approve you coming back. And and without getting into the details, that the population totally changes. And you have these great moments where you're filming of what that area looks like now. And, the, you know, you see a lot fewer black and brown faces and that's that's the gentrification right there. I, I'm curious what what that's been like for you to see it. It's kind of like it's kind of like watching a train wreck that you can't affect at that point, right? You're kind of looking as a as a as a person from the outside a little bit. Yeah, definitely from the outside. But again, I um I'm, I made that journey also with Aaron that we we talked about the the young man who is from the community and lives in the community and and uh, worked works for the developer in the film. Um, that he also, he himself, would have never imagined that so many people would actually take the vouchers and leave. You know, so he did not expect that to happen. And I did not expect that to happen. You know, and there, that is a whole different program to kind of dissect why people took the vouchers, you know. Right. Um, there is a, that kind of interesting thing where you... It's almost like being on a game show. Like, well, you can you can take the money now, or you can wait to see what's behind door number two. You know, um, and a lot of people, it looks like we're like, well, this is this is secure. Me coming back is not necessarily secure. And you make this interesting point too that for people that come back, they have like a quote unquote contract to be able to come to you know to to live there, but that can be altered after a year. Your rent can go up. Your you know the whole management of it uh, can change. You know, and it's the idea of. Also, people on the outside managing a, a, a neighborhood that's been, uh, you know, that, that are coming from the outside to manage a different neighborhood. Right. And the lack of sensibility there. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, kind of looking forward then, you know, after having, like, what, what is your interest now? Like, the, when you do a movie like this, I feel like it, it changes you in some ways. Can you talk to me about that? Some of the ways that, that it's making you think differently as you move ahead and how it's changed your life. I mean, it definitely has, uh, you know, given me so much more information about and and worry about the cities of the future and like the, the mm. really desire to, to, to talk more to people about, you know, the importance of public housing, which I also didn't understand. It had su it has such a bad rep somehow, public housing, you know, in this country that uh, when you though realize it, it is absolutely necessary, you know, and the question should housing be a human right and should government um, kind of hand the responsibility of housing over to the private market? Will that work? I mean, like really the worry of how how will that all play out in the future? You know, that is definitely uh, something that I'm much more uh, more worried about now. Um, how did you? How did your knowledge and your perception of that change? Like you said, you come from you know a, a, a different kind of background, and seeing the idea of public housing, why did you feel like? What did you see about it that you're like this is a necessary thing that 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 is 
especially that you see in the example of this? I mean, and this is, of course, also a reference that I have as a, as a German, right? That in, in Germany, the social network is so much more strong and the uh, rent control and the whole rent and social mm. housing situation is we're, we're taking that so for granted to re to see mm. how fragile and then also living in New York, where it's at least there's rent control, mm. you know, at least there's some strong structure of, of organization. And then seeing, watching here the organizations in Miami, you know, they are, but fight, fight against windmill, windmills. I mean, I'm in mm. awe of these organizers. I'm absolutely in awe, you know, that they're not giving up because it's like it's so overwhelming. Everything is against them, you know. Right. What, uh, what, did, you, what did you learn about that? Like after seeing that whole idea of, of, you know, having this kind of background where you've seen, you know, rent control and things like that. Uh, you know, what, what did you learn from that, from having spent so much time kind of examining that issue? That it's absolutely, I mean, it, it is uh, it, it is necessary here. It's it's just pushing, so to speak, uh, uh, poor, low income to the to the edge. You know, now they're in this case, every a lot of people went south and it's it's just pushing away the problem and. Um, I know. I know. Everybody asks you this now. This is the thing we were talking about. Like, well, so what's the solution? And you're right. And you're I asked you before not to, to ask me right, that. Because Remember, because, because I'm not a specialist. You're not a policymaker. You're a filmmaker <laughs> right. who who becomes <laughs> right. like our ears and our right. eyes in these places. Right. Um, I, I'm curious. Working with it, you know, having done this, have you seen areas where it does work? Have you seen like Have you seen example? Is it either from your own country or working here and living here so many years? Have you seen some some medium where where this kind of um, revitalizing actually helps an area rather than turning it over to somebody else? You know, so-called revitalizing. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, for example, we we when we screened in Toronto, there is there is a public housing project that is also very very challenged and had a lot of problems, but hmm. in the end. I think the city looked at it as positive. You mm. know, there are little examples here and there. And Aaron in the film again, oftentimes on stage, gets that question. Aaron, give us an example where mixed income housing actually worked, mm, where that worked. You know, and then he will give his answer. So there, there is um, overwhelming examples where it hasn't really worked for the original residents, you know. Mm. So... That's the question, you know, that's something that I also really would like to do with the film for the audience to look critical at this current model, which is mixed income, you right. know, and like think about does that can that work? Like, are, are there enough examples already to that we can say? absolutely you know with any kind of certainly certainly this doesn't work at all it, or there is some medium where it does work or, or and what right? what has to happen like in uh, to speak again like with Aaron's voice because there, there are people on our team that say mixed income is just an, it's just a tool of gentrification mm. Aaron still believes firmly that mixed income is the solution but it has to be done right so what does that mean it's like also to preserve not only the community but also institutions that have been created and they're like the school like mega that's in the film you know right. and not get rid of them and put a new school there right and, and you that's that's an interesting thing too because you in the film not only approaches the residents there it touches on this school a school for like um kids i don't know if you would call them high risk kids but kids who kind of have fallen through the cracks um yeah. through a regular public yeah. education and, mm -hmm. and she makes it available to these kids who yeah. serve that community yeah and that school is affected in the yeah. film so 
it's kind of like a remaking of that entire of an entire right. community. Right. Um, I'm I'm curious. Um, there's whether what the conversations have been like with some of the elders because some of the, something that you showed in the entire film where these folks who keep saying we've we're old enough to have seen this happen and we're telling you that this is not yeah. going to work and you know younger people are like Aaron is kind of hopeful at part of the movie and and you see them kind of proven right um yeah. when you were filming moments like that did you, did you find were you also curious how is this going to turn out yeah, I, as I said at the beginning, I went on this journey. I did not know at the beginning how it would turn out. I was very hopeful also, you know, mm. and the elders, I mean, and that is one reaction now from the elders that this, you know, some say we, I, the film connects the dots, but the elders also are saying, wow, there is now a document that shows mm. how history has repeat is repeated and repeated and repeated over and over again yeah you've kind of demonstrated how this how mm -hmm. literally it, it, how it can go wrong right. um, for a community I'm curious about what you're interested in now as a creative as a filmmaker like what did this open up for you and and kind of what areas does it have you thinking about now I have to tell you and people ask that all the time and they mm -hmm. ask that at every film festival and I, I, I dread that question because <laughs> this film uh, has been the most challenging and important film I've done wow. in my career and it took a lot and I don't want to cry right now but I feel like crying. <laughs> it took a lot out of me because of the uh, the relationships the, the you know s s feeling with people when hopes are broken you know now we are we started our the impact campaign of the film which mm. is even more intense i feel because now we're working with these organizers you know and the and and they're using the film as a tool and of course i'm hoping that the film will live up to everybody's expectation and will actually help you know, them in their campaigns and in their work. But that's a lot. I, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, that the film does all that. I sometimes have to remind myself and everybody around me to say, listen, the film is not the campaign. The film is a tool. The film is a tool. Um, so I'm very much involved in this impact campaign right now. We're having, as you said, you know, we're opening now uh, theatrically here in Miami. Then we have PBS. But then we have in February, March into April, we have like nearly every weekend these organizations are screening the film for their people, you know, for their neighborhood, for, you know, every organization has has took on a screening. So I'm going to be very much involved in that. It's interesting that the, you came into this as a documentarian and it made you a little bit of an activist, <laughs> yeah, turned you into an activist. Exactly. I was actually on a panel at the Sheffield Film Festival, like trying to figure out, you know, the, you know, and, and they were there to, to convince me that I am an activist. And I kept saying, no, I'm an artist. I'm a filmmaker. And they're like, no, you're not. You're doing exactly what an activist does. You organize whatever but yes it overlaps it does mm. um i i have to tell you that i um i'm looking for i'm looking forward to do something light with humor where there's not so much pressure and responsibility resting on me so i'm actually doing a three believe it or not i'm doing a three-part series about uh florida oh north central and south it's uh, and it's history, but it's also a lot of you know the the abundance of nature and all the animals that are here, and it's a little bit this undertone of like, you know the 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 history. You know why is Florida so crazy? But in a in a in a light way. 
Well, uh, hopefully, folks will uh, will get enough from your work here to be ready for that. Right. <laughs> uh, Katya, thank you so much for making time today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Our guest today was Katya Essen. She's the director and producer of the film Raising Liberty Square. The film opens at Coral Gable Cinema on Friday, January 26th, and will play through February 1st. It'll also have its national broadcast premiere on PBS January 29th. And that's Sundown for Monday, January 22nd. Leslie Ovalle-Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our engineer is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. Coming up tomorrow on the program, a cellist and music educator who describes himself as a DJ and an MC, Guy Michel, joins us. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.